everybody this is chris van buren with the Rutgers business insights podcast today we're having on gene slowinski he's an advisor to this podcast as well as the director of strategic alliance and open innovation research at the Rutgers graduate school of management he's worked with clients such as unilever hershey's and others at his company and holds a phd mba and masters in the sciences so without further ado here's gene huge boon to the blockchain hub organization, to the research that we've been doing. You're like the godfather of the blockchain hub here, I might say. Well, I appreciate that compliment, but what you don't know is how much you've done for me. So, you know, I just turned 68 years old. Guys like me are supposed to hang up their shoes, their, their running shoes, and I just got terribly interested in blockchain, and I have a whole new career here, so I don't know how long I'm going, but uh, it, I'm not stopping anytime soon. Happy birthday, Gene. We didn't know yeah, about that. We, we would have sent you over a cake or something. We would have known. <laughs> Believe me, next year I'm going to tell you all about it. That's great, man. That's great. So, Gene, from what I hear, you are an expert in finding the perfect career. Would you say that about yourself? Well, I, yeah, I guess I'm as, I'm as close to an expert as you'll find, um, and there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, I had nothing but trouble finding the perfect career. I didn't find it until I was 31 years old, and I struggled mightily from college graduation until 31. And then I think the other thing you probably should know is that uh, I have a PhD in management, and when I earned that degree, I had to take a lot of courses in things like motivation and job design and job enrichment and all these things focused on finding a good career. But the problem is they, they weren't available, they aren't available to the normal person because they're locked up in academic papers, in academic journals that the normal person shouldn't be expected to go search out. And so there's a lot of good information in there the problem is it's written for academics by academics. And so what I did was I got, I had a little time on my hands and I wrote a book called Finding the Perfect Career. Now, my wife says it's a weighty pamphlet. Uh, she's, <laughs> the one, she's the one that keeps me humble. But what I like about it is it converted all of that academic jargon into New Jersey English. You know, e even I can understand this stuff now. And it, and I hope it brings a lot of, uh, I hope it brings a lot of solace to people who, like me, just had no idea what they wanted to do when they grew up. And by the way, as a once we this pandemic thing is over and I can come visit the blockchain hub in person, uh, I'm students in the blockchain hub get a free signed version of that book, and the reason wow. that's important. Sign it, you get an extra 50 cents when you sell it on eBay. Wow, there you go. What a deal. What a deal. Now we're going to be bursting through the doors with members here. That's great. Thank you for that. So, Gene, you're an accomplished author, I would say, based on what I've heard, um, and a bunch of other things, which we'll get into now. So, how did you get to where you are right now? Uh, it was this random walk. I graduated college with a biology degree, and I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a biologist. I mean, I had I, I liked biology, but I 
I didn't know what a career in biology would look like. So I got a job in a pharmacy. Well, after a year of just laying on the couch, which, by the way, is a problem, uh, I got a job in a pharmaceutical company giving drugs to rats. It was my job to give the drugs to rats and see what they did. And, and I did. And the, But people don't know this, but rats have the perfect form of revenge. 60% of people who work with rats become allergic to them. And I am highly allergic to rats. Really? Wow. <laughs> so then I didn't know what to do. And I saw this real estate sign. Maybe I'll sell real estate. So I did that for a year. And I'm the worst real estate salesman on the entire planet. I can prove that. I made $15 in one year selling real estate. <laughs> And then uh, I, went, I went to get my taxes done by a guy who's a professor at Rutgers. He's passed away now, but he's a fantastic guy, Lou German. So I said, Lou, I have to get my taxes done. He says, you made $15. What do you want me to do? <laughs> so he said, um, are you busy? I said, no, not really. I'm not horribly busy, no. He said, um, why don't you get an MBA? Uh, I, I said, Lou, I never took a business course in my life. What are you talking about an MBA? He goes, it doesn't matter. You go, you, if, you, <laughs> if you flunk out, you flunk out. If you make it, you make it. Simple as that. So I, got, I went to Rutgers. I signed up, and I got, a, a, I got into the MBA program. Uh, now, the important thing about that is that there were 32 people in my section. The beautiful thing is not one of us knew what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives. We found ourselves in an MBA program because we were all lost and lost together. And just to show you how lost it we were, I turned to the guy on my first day, I'm friendly, I turned to the guy on my right, I said, what's your name? He goes, so tell me your background. He said, I have a PhD in economics. I went, well, there goes the curve. Wow. <laughs> then I turned to the guy on my left, I said, tell me about yourself. He goes, my name is Ed. Tell me, what, what's your background, Ed? He said, I have a PhD in theology from Harvard. Oh, wow. Ed, is there a God? He went, here he's still out. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's the kind of people that I, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And then when, after I got my MBA, I went to Bell Labs, and I was there for quite some time, uh, probably five years, I guess. But while I was at Bell Labs, during the middle of that, I figured out what I wanted to do, which was this concept of collaborative relationships, alliances, joint ventures. And so I, I joined the PhD program so that I could look deeply into that. And I did. And then I now have two books and 30 plus articles that talk about how you successfully structure alliances and joint ventures and not mergers and acquisitions, but really technology-based deals. So if I have an expertise, that's it. That sounds like it could be your third book, Gene, from real estate agent to <laughs> rat drug plug to PhD. Inspiring. It's wonderful, isn't it? That just shows you how what a random walk really looks like. <laughs> That's great. So going back to your book um, that we're talking about today, um, what does that encompass? What's it called? Well, it's called Finding the Perfect Career. And, you know, the, the, what I'm trying to do with that book is to help people just like me make better decisions than I did. I'm not saying you're going to make the perfect decision, but you're going to make better decisions than I did. And what I did was I put it through a very simple five-step program. And uh, let me 
give you sort of a, a story about one of the MBA students that I was with because had I had, could, had, had I, if I had to do all over again, I'd follow his path. And his path is the one I'm gonna to recommend to you. I'm not gonna use this guy's real name because he just retired. He's, um, he lives in New Jersey and he's a very close friend and I, and I wanna, it's his story to tell, not mine, but I'll, I'll tell the story with a different name. And we're gonna talk about Harry. So all of us left the MBA program with our degrees. We were bright and shiny stars. And we all walk into our own organizations. People went to banking, they went to insurance, they went to real estate firms. I went to Bell Labs. We all went different places. Harry goes to a, one of the major consulting companies. And he doesn't know what to do. And he walks into his boss's office one day and he sees this box in the corner. You have to remember, this is 1983, all right? 1983 sees this box in the corner. He says to his boss, what's that? And the boss goes, I have no idea. So Harry opens it up and he finds a personal computer, one of the first personal computers. That wow. sounds weird to you, but <clears throat> back in 83, that was a big deal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he finds uh, uh, something called VisiCalc. VisiCalc was the first spreadsheet, primitive and garbage compared to anything we have today. Just miserable. So he puts VisiCalc in the personal computer and he, he takes his boss's little departmental spreadsheet and he puts it in the VisiCalc and he shows it to his boss and he goes, you see this? And his boss goes, yeah, it's sort of interesting. It's kind of nice. He says, well, look what happens if I double your, if I double your personnel budget. And he hits the button and nine seconds later comes out the answer and his boss's eyes just blew up. Now, you have to remember that prior to VisiCalc, all spreadsheets were calculated by hand. I had a spreadsheet in Bell Labs. I had to calculate by hand. It was 60 columns by 21 rows. Took me three days to calculate it with a calculator. Three days. And by the way, that's if I didn't make a mistake. If I did make a mistake, <laughs> the three days. Oh, geez. You learn to pray when you're finishing up that last row and that last column. Oh, baby Jesus, I will go back to church. I swear I will. <laughs> This thing crossfoots. It's amazing. So anyway, the boss sees this and he says to Harry, I do it again because I don't believe it. And Harry shows him just how spreadsheets are. So he says to Harry, you pack your bag. I'm about to book you flights. And Harry went to every single major client of this company and taught them how to use spreadsheets. And Harry just just retired as a director, a principal, I'm sorry, a principal of a major consulting company, which means he's the owner of one of the top four and Harry's doing just fine. Wow. So the, what's the take home point for my friends on this line? Harry found a megatrend. He stumbled into it. It wasn't his fault. It was a box in the corner, but it's a megatrend. It was in a box. And he opened it up and he let it take him through the career while he was simultaneously helping the megatrend move out to all kinds of people in different places. And that's exactly what I would do if I had it to do all over again. I'd find a megatrend that interested me. I'd go to the company that's doing that. And I would just, I'd just have a wonderful career. How would you define a megatrend? Well, a megatrend is something that's going to be very, very, very disruptive. It, it uses technology and innovation 
to redefine the way that we do something today. So uh, examples are better than definitions. Blockchain is a megatrend. It just is. Artificial intelligence linked to robotics, linked to sensors, is a megatrend. Uh, drones and autonomous vehicles, genomics, the, the, the fintech, for, for anybody who's got a finance degree to be involved in fintech, particularly as it relates to blockchain, your career is, you have no idea the size of the career you're about to walk into. You just don't. And by the way, uh, you're going you're gonna to be mesmerized by it every single, every single morning when you get up, you're going to go, I get to do this and they pay me? This is wonderful. And that's what we're looking for. So anyway, that, that's how I define a, uh, that's how I define a megatrend. It's just something that's going to be very disruptive and it's going to change the way we do things. What are examples of that? Amazon was the beginning of a megatrend that has now collapsed traditional retail. Penny's is bankrupt. Sears is bankrupt. Macy's on its way. Just collapsed. Uh, digital photography. I was a consultant to Kodak when digital photography came along. They, they, they just, they couldn't, they were so steeped in silver halide film that they just couldn't, they tried to make the transition, but they just couldn't do it. And Kodak now is where Kodak is. Uh, so the, the re, Ford and General Motors have no idea what Tesla's about to do to them. I, I mean, I really believe that's true. And so what I'm trying to do is I, I really want you working for Amazon, not Sears. I want you working for digital photography company, not Kodak. I want you working for Tesla, not GM. And, and that's, in my opinion, the best way to find a, a career. That, if, you, if you love what you do, you never go to work. It's terrific. Gene, you've got me on the edge of my seat with this. What's the first step to finding this perfect career? First one is to know about you. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> so let me talk about that. I mean, do you like to work with white-collar people or blue-collar people or professional people? Uh, tell me about your living preferences. Do you like cities? Do you like rural? Do you like Silicon Valley kind of places? Do you like the mountains? Now it doesn't matter because we're all working remotely do you like working in really stable environments like a large company like a general motors where you're a cog in a wheel but you're a cog that knows what you do every single day so that's one kind of person and we need those people or do you like fast moving startups where you are responsible for everything it's you and three other guys and or women and everything that gets done from being ceo to taking out the garbage is being done by you or maybe you like life-type missions, like nonprofits, uh, you know, people, people, people who I deeply respect but could not emulate, spend time in refugee camps uh, in islands off of Greece. I, I have tremendous respect for those people, but my personality doesn't allow it. And so you got to know who you are, and then that's like step number one: is who are you? And be generous with yourself. <laughs> Be good to yourself because it's part of the way you're going to make the next decision. Great. So step one, know yourself, 
know where you want to be, who you want to be working with, at what uh, kind of organization you want to be working with, or, or who do I want to spend eight hours a day, five, six, seven days a week with, right? Exactly right. Great. All right. So I know myself now. I know what type of people and what general kind of organization I want to work at. What do I do now? So now we're going to sort of combine two thoughts together. First of all, what are your broad areas of interest? Well, I happen to know you personally, and you're a finance person, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. And you also have a, you know, another major, a minor in Chinese. For you, working in China in fine in fintech might not be a bad idea. <laughs> that's an interesting way to think about how to spend the next couple of three years. But other, but some people like sales marketing. Some people like the sciences. I like the sciences. Some people like su- supply chain. What is it you're you're comfortable with? What is it? There's a little spark inside each one of us, and it's easy to sort of have the spark hidden, but it is telling us something. It's telling us, you know, I I kind of gravitate towards business, or I kind of gravitate towards the arts. What well, what's the spark telling you? And then you go and you ask the next question. What's the mega trend that I would like to follow in w- using that spark? So you, as an example of fintech, uh, blockchain is what I'm really going to encourage people, particularly in the blockchain hub, is to combine blockchain, which is a mega trend all by itself, with a second mega trend, because because when you combine mega trends, that's when the real power takes off. So, for example, in your case. Uh, compound these are the companies that are you know sort of DeFi right now and they're the hot sexy names and next week they'll probably be different names but at least we can make some points here so there's DeFi DeFi meaning uh, decentralized finance right yeah decentralized finance exactly right and and there you go you have combined finance with blockchain which is absolutely brilliant Maybe insurance is an area that I want to go into. Well, insurance is being disrupted by, by blockchain as well. And I think it's called Nexus Mutual, I think is the, today's company doing insurance in, on the blockchain. Uh, do you like, I'm, I'm really starting to get interested in non-fungible tokens. Are, are you an artist? Is that, is that where your passion lies? I think that non-fungible tokens and, and selling those things in companies like OpenSea is the right thing to do. Are you a gamer? <laughs> gamer. Non-fungible tokens are going to provide you with weapons, and you were the only one that got the weapon. <laughs> it's going to be That's terrific. <laughs> this is coming from a 68-year-old, so take this with a grain of salt. But uh, try not to kill me too many times. Let me put it that way. So... Clean water, clean energy, digital currency, uh, genomics is going to be huge because what we're going to do is we're going to take, this is my biologist coming out, CRISPR, uh, CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology combined with artificial intelligence will revolutionize the way that we treat genetic diseases. Is that your passion? Go there. And that's, that's the point. 
Now, see how you have to find out who you are? Once you know who you are, things sort of open up for you. You don't have to go sell real estate. Unless you want to. There's good real estate. <laughs> still. Real estate on the blockchain, right? Well, I hope you make more than $15 in a year. <laughs> that was a tough year. Yeah. All right. So I found the mega trend that interests me. I know who I am and what, where I, what I want to work with. How do I find the right company? <clears throat> this is today easy. It was impossible when I graduated college. And the reason is the internet and Google allow me to look at ETFs or mutual funds. ETFs are exchange traded funds. They're a lot like mutual funds. There's some minor differences. But for example, in if I were interested in genomics, uh, Kathy Wood of ARK Invest has a genomics ETF. You go, you, it's called ARKG. You go to that symbol, ARKG, you go to the prospectus, and there is every single company that she invested in. And she's very knowledgeable. She spends far more time than you ever would understanding the businesses behind each one of those companies that she invests in. And therefore, you can make a, you can make a safe assumption that the companies that she has invested in are companies that are worthwhile for you to spend time going after. Then you look at the, each individual company and you, well, I like living in cities, which one's in a city? Or I like living in the country, which one's in the you take You take those, she's got like 26 or maybe 30 companies in, in every ETF. But you go to those companies, you look them up, you find the ones that seem most interesting to you, make a short list, maybe 10, and then you go after those 10 with iron discipline. Iron discipline. And I'll talk about how to do that in a moment. But the key thing is, now that I know a little bit about myself, where's the ETF that follows? There's China ETFs, there's African ETFs, there's clean water and clean energy ETFs, there's agriculture. I don't care what your interest is, there's an ETF that follows it, and you can be assured that whoever that uh, fund manager is, he or she has put a lot of time into selecting those stocks, unless it's an index fund, but that's a different story. You know, I, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. So what we... Actively managed ETFs, I think, is a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, res what resources online can students easily find um, these lists of ETFs and mutual funds? Yeah, I would use Google and just say uh, eSports ETF, and it'll just pop up for you, which <laughs> back when I was a graduate, no, 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 no. There's, there was no way to find. You had to go into the library and hunt all kinds of stuff. And by the time, six hours later, you say, oh, heck with it. I'll just go work at McDonald's. <laughs> not a big problem all right so i found an etf that i vibe with that i like very much and the 20 or 30 companies in there what is the best way to get in touch with these firms the most meaningful way right now this is where the iron discipline comes in what i 
like you to consider is your resume and your cover letter. First of all, know that your cover letter will never be read. It's just, people just rip it off and, and that's that. So don't put anything critical in your cover letter unless it's also in your resume. And what I, what I wanna do is I wanna differentiate your resume from others. We all had a whole bunch of dumb little jobs when we were in high school and people don't care about the dumb little jobs I did in high school. So you need space because you wanna keep your resume to one page if you possibly can. But the first paragraph, the opening section, it should say either background or introduction or something like that, can make two key points. <clears throat> if this is true, here's your first key point. I earned 30% of my college tuition working part-time while I was in school. That sentence really resonates, resonates to a guy like me because people like me just finished paying off gigantic school bills <laughs> for these kids who are lying on the couch and we're saying to ourselves, Maybe, did I have to pay for all that? Yeah, so that's, that's sentence number one. And then sentence number two brings a bit of humility to the equation. Sentence number two says, I have just finished my academic studies in the area of marketing or supply chain. I, I now need to reinforce those studies, enlarge them, uh, make them better through work experience. I, I understand that I don't have the real world work experience, I have the academic knowledge, and it's the combination of the academic knowledge and the work experience that makes me a very valuable contributor to the firm. And that's an important statement to make. And then after that, you can put down, you know, the McDonald's and all these crummy little jobs that all of us had. These guys had those jobs too. These women had those jobs too. That, that just Take time in your resume to point out that you're a contributor to your education and that you understand that the work experience you're about to get finishes your education. And I think those are two really important points. Now, once you have that resume in place, I'm, I'm guessing you do emails these days. I haven't done this in quite some time. Emails but, or LinkedIn? Or LinkedIn, okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about emails because I understand that better than LinkedIn for what you're trying to do. <clears throat> we have to do some... We have to look fractionally here just for a minute. If you're going to a very large company, a very big company, like a Google or like a Facebook or whoever it is, you want to send your resume to the head of the functional area of your interest, to the head of supply chain, to the head of marketing, to the head of R&D, to the head of whatever it is you're interested in, with a copy to the head of HR, uh, human resources, HR's human resources. So that's for a big company. For a little company, you want to send your resume to, and by the way, everybody knows everything. So you send it to the head of the functional area with a copy to the head of HR so that both know that both got it. 
little tiny company is different. Little tiny company, you send it to the CEO. So it goes to the CEO with a copy to the head of the functional area you're interested in and the head of HR. So that's a small company. A middle company is hard because I don't know the middle company, but I would err on the side of uh, I would err on the side of not sending to the CEO for a middle-sized company because they've got too much on their plate. I would send it to the head of the functional area and the head of HR. Now, when you send it, are you done? And the answer is no. As a matter of fact, you just started. This is the iron discipline part. It is a relentless assault. All they can say is no. So I'm going to follow up with a telephone call saying, you know, my name's Charlie and I just sent you my resume and I'm very interested in your company, but don't make it any longer than that, just a little call. And then two weeks later, you do the same thing. And two weeks later, you do the same thing. And why is this important? Because you don't know when the opening occurs to these people. Just because I sent them a resume doesn't mean they have an opening. But four weeks later or six weeks later, they might have an opening. And then when they get my second email or my third email or my second or third telephone call, then all of a sudden they, uh, they remember me and they know I'm there. I keep sending things until I get a restraining order from the police department. That's when I know to stop. General Slowinski with his relentless assault ends in restraining orders. Is that right? That's perfect. That's <laughs> how you do it. <laughs> and by the way, I'm sure the Rutgers law department just had, just by just blew the top off their head. So <laughs> maybe we'll soften that a little bit. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you figure it out. But that's, that's sort of half the, the iron discipline. There's a new, there's a second part of iron discipline as well, <clears throat> which is, Every functional group has a local trade association. So my expertise is in alliances and licensing. The Licensing Executive Society, which is my trade association, meets every two months in the Basking Ridge Country Club, and you'll get this tip only from me. The lamb chop appetizers are to die for. <laughs> Don't miss that meeting. Those people want to meet you. Those people are all my age. We're about to check out. We're looking for the new young blood, the new ideas, the people who are excited, as excited as we were when we got invited. We want to meet you. Student memberships in these things are usually dirt cheap. And let me be blunt. If you walk up to them in the meeting and say, you know, I'm a student, I ain't got no money. Can I come in? They'll say, yeah, come on in. Just come on in. And you're, you're going to be fine. So Meetups are another great place. Who are doing the meetups in your areas of interest? That's how I got involved with blockchain. I went to a meetup and all of a sudden I'm meeting these fascinating people who are talking about things that I didn't understand, but I knew were right. And so you have to find the social set of people as well as the formal resume sending process. And oh, by the way, the people in the licensing executive society know exactly who's hiring, what they're looking for, who to contact, and in your functional group trade association, they'll know the exact same stuff. That's what you need to know. That's great. So I found an ETF that works for me. I went through this iron discipline, relentless process of sending out resumes and cover letters to these different firms. And I got in my dream firm, Gene. It's a fantastic, I'm having a great time. 
But maybe after a while, I'll be devil's advocate here. I realize it's not the perfect career for me, and I'm thinking about moving. What do I do now? This is a wonderful question because think about it. It's exactly the, the situation I found myself in, right? I started in a pharmaceutical company, but I knew that if I left that pharmaceutical company and went to the next pharmaceutical company, only the faces would change. The, the organizational structure, the challenges, the monthly meetings, all that stuff would be the same, only the faces would change. So I decided to completely, I, I call it bounce. It's the bounce theory. I decided to bounce. Bounce to a completely different career. I went to real estate. Now that was a mistake, but that's okay. <laughs> because I learned all about sales. You know, the interesting thing I learned about at real estate was sales. I can now not be taken by a salesman because I know all the tricks. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. But then I left real estate and I went to Bell Labs. That's another completely different world. And that's what I'd like. That's what I would encourage you to do. If after the first job, it might be perfect. It might not be perfect. Hey, that happens all the time. Give yourself a year to learn everything you can about that because interestingly, you're not just learning about that company, you're learning about yourself. You, I have to speak about me. I was learning about myself. I learned what I didn't like about working in major pharmaceutical companies. I, I figured that out. And then you, I, I would encourage you to do what I did, which was to bounce. Just take a completely different, maybe go to a nonprofit, maybe go work in Europe for a year. Go do something very different. If that's not the perfect organization for you either, spend a year, maybe two, because it's it's teaching me about me. I'm in real estate. I learned just what a lousy real estate salesman I really am. That's important to know. And then you go, then I bounced again, and I went to Bell Labs, which is a very scientific-based organization. And I, and I loved being there for the science part, but I was a management guy. Uh, I was in an accounting function, and I didn't know it until then, but I'm slightly dyslexic. I learned that I was dyslexic. <laughs> See, they didn't test for any of this stuff when I was a kid. I learned I was dyslexic when I was moving decimal points in budgets. You have no idea how powerful <laughs> decimal points really are. I mean, those, sure. things, those things will kick you right in the head if you get them wrong. So anyway, that's where I learned that. And then by that time, I figured out what I wanted to do. I figured out this stuff, this, this fascination I had about strategic alliances and licensing. I joined the PhD for, in, in management program for night students. This is what you look like after 10 years as a night student. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. We have no visual here, just audio, Gene. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. So anyway, um, but but once I found the perfect career, I couldn't be stopped. You know, I wrote two books and thirty plus articles about that topic. I've been consulting in it for thirty years, and it's done nothing but provide me with a a life a life well lived. You know, I, I I have to say that there's been a bunch of joy in my life because of this, and I, uh, when I whoever created all this stuff, when I meet him or her someday. The question is going to be, what did you do with the talents I gave you? And my answer is going to be, I used them well. And I'm comfortable with that. So 
is that why we should appreciate and use the bounce theory to live a fuller life, get more experiences and, and all of that? And, and drink it all in. Just absorb it all because all of it benefits you as you move forward. Philosophical, Gene, philosophical. So in a few short sentences, I know it's tough because we, we spent a half hour going over this great information, but in a few short sentences, how do you find the perfect career? I, I would follow Harry's lead. <laughs> Place yourself in the middle of a megatrend and let that megatrend sweep you into a wonderful career. I believe blockchain is one of those megatrends, but what's the, what's the other megatrend that blockchain supports? Like decentralized finance, or blockchain insurance, or blockchain and supply chain. Pick an in, I would pick an industry that interests me, such as the environmental science, clean energy, and I would find the ETF that lists the, an actively managed ETF that lists the companies that I know a portfolio manager has gone through and done the due diligence on those companies so that they are likely to be successful. I would go and use my iron discipline approach, which we talked about. If I'm not perfectly happy after a year or two, bounce to another world. Don't bounce to the same world, bounce to another world. And I predict that after one or two, possibly three bounces, you're going to find yourself in a career that you will define and will define you both in a good way. Inspiring, Gene. Inspiring. If people and students listening to this want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? Well, the best way is uh, on my Rutgers email, which is my last name, S-L-O-W-I-N-S-K. There's no I because Rutgers can't put nine characters in front of that. <laughs> fine. <laughs> so it's Slowinski without the I at business.rutgers.edu. Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time, Gene. It's been an honor. Thank you for having me.